Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Gluten-Free Voice. I'm Jules Shepard and I'm happy to be your host again today and to actually have power so that I can do the show with you all as listening guests. I um, just got my power back on and I'm very grateful for that, although I know that there are so very many of you who are still suffering through the wake of Hurricane Sandy, which has been quite an ordeal and continues to be so um, for much of the Northeast. So my heart goes out to all of those out there who still are in the throes of the Hurricane Sandy aftermath. And I'd like to talk today about hurricane and disaster preparedness, not just because we've just gone through one, but also for those of you who are still going through the next several days of being without power. If you have these experiences that come up in your life that unfortunately periodically do, um, or if you're in the throes of it right now, I think a lot of these tips can be very helpful. There's been a great discussion on Facebook recently, um, on my Facebook page about, you know, what to do in times of emergency, in particular for people who have food allergies or who are living gluten-free, because you know, we have that added layer of problem that, you know, not just are we dealing with an emergency like everyone else or um, natural disaster, but where are we going to find food and sustenance that's safe for us? And I think that that really layers on um, the necessity to be particularly prepared in times like this and for times like this because we can't just run out to, um, you know, the store and pick up whatever happens to be left on the shelves. And for those of you who find the need to go to shelters, you're not necessarily going to have food in the shelters that are that's going to be safe for you to eat um, as someone who is on a gluten-free diet or has other food allergies. So let's talk about some of those things now. You know, I think it's so important, you know, obviously to be prepared and to listen to the news and to know what's coming. But one of the biggest things that I found helpful seeing, you know, Hurricane Sandy coming was to, you know, go back and look in my pantry and make sure that I had all of the gluten-free staples that I needed. And, you know, I don't know about you, but if it's possible for you to stock up on these types of staples all the time, I think it's a great idea because so many of these shelf-stable staple items are things that maybe you can't find at every store or you'll go to the store and they're out of them or, you know, you have to order them online. And so if you're going to do these things, you might as well get extra so that you're never um, in a situation where you're in a pinch and you don't have them. So think about what those things are for your family that are staples. Maybe they're tortillas. Maybe it's bread. Maybe it's flour or oats. For us, you know, for me, it's it's definitely flour because I can make absolutely anything if I have my all-purpose flour. So I, I know that I need to have that on hand at all times when I travel to go visit friends or family. And I've even had emergencies come up where I didn't know I was going to have to travel. And if I can bring that flour with me, then I know I can make whatever I need where I am. So for me, that's one of my staples. I also always have gluten-free oats on hand because, fortunately, I can tolerate gluten-free oats. And they're so wonderful for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And, um, you know, it's a really nutritious source um, for you to have, you know, to put in other things or to just make, you know, by themselves. And I would say... There is a wide variation in gluten-free oats that are that are out there. So, 
you know, in terms of considering what you would have on hand for a staple for an emergency, for example, or when you're traveling on the road, I would say look for instant gluten-free oats or baby gluten-free oats because they're a smaller grit size and they actually can be prepared by just pouring boiling water over them. So there's not a need to cook them over a stove for, you know, X number of minutes. And it makes it much, much easier when you're on the road or in the event of emergency, where if you can find, um, you know, a grill or any other source of heat that you could um, warm water over a fire even um, in your fireplace, then you could actually grill um, or you could heat up the water for oats. So that's another staple for us. But think about what are your staples and what is it that you really want to make sure you're not without and make sure you have extras of those things, particularly if you're ordering foods online, which a lot of us have to do because we can't find exactly what we're looking for in the stores that are close to us. You know, if you're going to be paying for shipping or if you find a free shipping special, then you might as well put as much, you know, in your cart as you possibly can so that you don't have to pay for shipping again another time. And then you never have to worry whether you're out or whether you don't have enough of something. So I heard from several people who said, oh, my goodness, thank goodness I had ordered extra of your flour or I had ordered, you know, these different things because I had them here and I didn't have to worry you know, there's always that inevitable run on the grocery store when people see that a big storm is coming. We have snows that are getting ready to start hitting us. And, you know, there's <laughs> the first threat of the storm, you know, the things that are gone, milk, toilet paper, you know, all of the, all of those staples. But for us who live gluten-free, you know, there's not a lot in the stores necessarily anyway. And then to um, have to rely upon whatever is there and whatever might be left when you get there is not a good feeling. So make sure you have all of those staples in advance. And I had several questions from people about, you know, well, what could I freeze? You know, just, you know, let's say there's not an emergency. Let's say I'm busy, which most of us are, and I don't have time to prepare um, a full-blown homemade everything for dinner um, every night. You know, what would make my life easier? And, by the way, would also be helpful in case of emergency because I would have these things on hand in the in my freezer. Well, one of the best things to do, I think, is to make extra whenever you're making one of those dinners. So let's say you're making homemade ravioli or you're making homemade pizza crust. Do a double recipe and put the second batch in your freezer for ravioli, for example. And by the way, these recipes are on my blog at blog.julesglutenfree.com as well as in some of my cookbooks. But when you're making ravioli, you would make whatever ravioli you're doing for that night's dinner, and then you would take your second batch you would parboil them, which means that you would boil them for only like two to three minutes. Once they have drained and cooled, then you would seal them in a zip-top bag and put them in the freezer for next time. And I think the best thing to do is to put a little piece of wax paper in between each of the ravioli so they don't stick together and, and get compromised when they um, are pulled apart to go into the, the boiling water. And then you would just boil them again for another about three minutes or so until they are fully cooked and are, are floating and then you have your ravioli like just in minutes, which is wonderful and so much more um, economical than buying the pre-made ravioli at the store. For us gluten-freeers, those pre-made ravioli can be pretty expensive and making them from scratch is dirt cheap. It's so easy and so cheap and I use it as leftover night. I just put whatever, you know, even hummus or something like that that we have in the freezer, leftover grilled vegetables, whatever you want. Just put that inside your ravioli. It's a wonderful meal. For pizza, do the same thing. You would make a double recipe, triple recipe. The other night I made three. I did a triple recipe and I made three different pizzas. And then you would par-bake 
the pizza. Um, and that means just to let it rise and cook it part way. And then once it's cool, you'd wrap it up and put it in your freezer. Well, for a power outage, this is a fantastic thing to have on hand because you have this par-baked pizza crust that you can then put on your grill, for example, if you have a grill. Or if you do happen to have a generator and you have a toaster oven, you can stick it in that. But I think grilling is wonderful when you have a power outage because you can do so many things on the grill. You can boil water, you can cook your pizza, you can go cook um, you know, food like vegetables or um, fish or chicken or whatever you like to have on the grill. Almost anything can be cooked on the grill. And if you have a gas grill, of course, ahead of time, you want to make sure you have extra gas or propane and then if you have a charcoal grill, make sure you have the charcoal. Those of you who don't have a grill um, and you think maybe this might be something that's interesting, but you're not a big griller or you're not sure how to do it or you don't have a lot of room, the tabletop grills that are available now are not very expensive and really super easy to just get out and um you know, store away somewhere when you're not using it. So you may want to invest in a tabletop grill just to have in case of emergency. And you might find you really like it, and then later on you'll buy a larger grill and use it more often. It's so healthy to grill food anyway. But you could boil your water for your ravioli, for example, and do that as well. Other things that I think are really great to have in the freezer, again, making extras. When I make biscuits or muffins, I'll oftentimes make a double recipe, and I'll put the leftovers in the freezer in the zip-top bags once they've cooled. And they last for a super long time in the freezer. And if you lose power, then all you have to do is take them out of the freezer, and they're going to come to temperature on their own. You don't have to microwave them or do anything, and then you'll have some wonderful fresh um, biscuits or or muffins for you to eat um, through the power outage. Of course, having sliced bread is wonderful um, to have that in your freezer. If you're making a homemade loaf of bread, again, why don't you just make two, especially if you're not using a bread maker. It's super easy to double the recipe and then put half of the batter in one of your um, your bread pans and put half the batter in the other one, rise them at the same time, bake them at the same time. And then what you would do is you'd take one of the loaves and once it's cooled, you would slice it. And then you would put the whole loaf sliced in your freezer in a zip-top bag. And whenever you want a slice, you can always reach in and grab a slice. But if there's a power outage, voila, you have a loaf of bread. The other thing you can always do is, especially if it's just you or just you and another person, bake one loaf of bread eat half the loaf and you know when you've gone through that in two or three days, then just slice and freeze the remaining part of that loaf. So I always have, you know, really delicious homemade gluten free bread in my freezer. So I'm never without for bread purposes, but I also have it if I want to slice it up um, and dice it into croutons, like to to make them into croutons for salad, or if I want to cube them and make them for stuffing, or if I want to process them in my food processor or blender and make them into breadcrumbs. I always have that at the ready. It's much more economical, but it's wonderful also just to always have, and of course in times of emergency to have it as well. Other things that we keep in our freezer, um, I make homemade toaster pastries, which are just so, so easy and really yummy, and you don't have to put them into the toaster because they're cooked when you um, you follow my recipe, which is on my blog, and you um, make the toaster pastries, and once they're cooled, you freeze them. You can take them out and put them in the toaster if you do have power. If you don't, once it's thawed, you can just eat it because it's already cooked. Other things we do is um, we will oftentimes make quiche. And if we take the leftovers or make a double recipe of quiche, I'll stick that in the freezer as well in a casserole dish. And once that cools or um, once it thaws, rather, 
or if you do have power and you want to heat it up, that's fine. But quiche is wonderful, um, cool or at room temperature. It doesn't have to be served hot. Um, we also do this wonderful quinoa dish, which is on my blog. I just love this dish. We take leftover grilled vegetables. If we've um, also grilled some fish or something, we'll put that in there too. With my favorite sauces, I'll use um, Indian jalapeno curry, things like that. Um, my Sanjay Thai peanut sauce that we can't live without in my family all those wonderful gluten-free sauces. You combine those together with cooked quinoa and then throw in your grilled vegetables, maybe from leftover night, and you make this wonderful quinoa dish that is just delicious and so, so healthy. And what we'll do is we'll take extra of that after we've eaten it for two nights or whatever, and we'll put that in the freezer in a like a Tupperware container. And if we're going to fly somewhere, we'll oftentimes take it out of the freezer. And by the time we're hungry for lunch or dinner on the plane, it is thawed and we'll just eat it on the plane. And that's just fantastic. You know, I feel like I'm living large on an airplane eating this amazing, you know, Thai peanut quinoa dish. But um, that's also great for power outages and for um, disasters like that because you'll have this frozen dish that by the time it has, you know, you take it out of the freezer and it thaws, Again, tastes delicious, cool, or room temperature as well, and it's a very, very healthy dish for you to have. So those types of things are really nice to keep um, on hand if you have the freezer space, and if you have time to make a double recipe, it always helps to do that. The USDA has a wonderful um, PDF that you can also download online, which talks about what to do in case of power outages, and I believe they even talk about floods, but the section that I think is so helpful is called Refrigerator Foods and Frozen Foods, When to Save and When to Throw Out, and I think this is a wonderful thing to print off if you have access to it. It's called a Consumer's Guide to Food Safety, and it's available at www.f, as in Frank, s as in Sam, i, s as in Sam, dot usda.gov, and if you download that, you can read um, you know, when you would need to throw away refrigerator or frozen foods when you have lost power. If they had get beyond a certain temperature, if they don't have ice crystals remaining, then you know you need to discard them. So compare that with what you have in your freezer and your refrigerator, and then you'll know, you know when you would need to throw some things away and when they're safe. I think some good things to keep in mind on the list, which I'm just you know glancing through right now as a point of reference because I printed off my copy. Um, I think it's it's good to know that you know mayonnaise lasts a little bit longer than milk does, for example, but eggs need to be thrown out if they have been over 40 degrees for over two hours. And that's that's just something to do, good to keep in mind so that you have in the back of your mind what's safe and what's not safe. They have everything from meats and cheeses and milks and spreads and jams and vegetables and poultry and all that on here. So I think it's really good to compare that so that you are not jeopardizing the safety of you yourself or your family when it comes to the food that um, you have stored in your refrigerator and your freezer. And of course, when in doubt, always throw it out. So um, getting back to my personal list of things that I really think is important to do when you know that there is something that you're going to be facing. I mean, obviously, if you don't know that there's a natural disaster or a um, power outage coming down the pike, it's good to have all of this stuff you know, frozen and to have all of your staples on hand always. But if you do know that you have some things that are going to be happening where you might lose your power or um, be you know, stranded and not be able to get to the store to get some other things, 
then you have some time to prepare. What would you make? And for me, what I ended up doing this time for Hurricane Sandy, my house was um, smelled wonderful because I baked for two days. Um, everything from more fresh bread. I made some quinoa, so I would have it if we had other things. We grilled um, vegetables or things like that. I could just stir it all up together with the quinoa. I baked a double batch of blueberry muffins, which got us through. Um, we grilled some extra vegetables, and I even made chocolate cupcakes and pumpkin donuts because <laughs> we wanted to have some tasty things to eat while we were hunkered down. I also went to the farmer's market, and I bought some extra vegetables so that we could grill more later on um, and you know, use those sauces. And you know, if you are a vegetarian and you're looking for other protein sources, I think it's good to keep in mind that tofu is something that you can dice and saute, you know, um, in a pot on the grill, or you can even grill the the tofu as well. And if you have those other yummy gluten-free sauces, then it makes it really tasty for that. If we had gone a little bit longer without power, um, one of the things we were going to do, because I had it ready, was to do the, um, we're going to do tofu tacos on the grill, because my kids really love those. And we had kept a lot of those things cold, with um, with ice and with, um, you know, coolers and things like that full of ice, which is another good thing to make sure that you have um, have in, in store, you know, if, you're, if you do have a notice of that, that you can go and, and get ice or be making your own ice in bags. You just even fill up water and put the Ziploc bags full of water in your freezer. You have big, huge chunks of homemade ice that will help to keep your freezer and your refrigerator cold for longer. And, of course, keep those doors closed as much as you can. Um, another thing that was interesting on the USDA site said that um, you would have a cooler on hand to keep the refrigerator cold if the power is going to be out for more than um, four hours and to group your food together in the freezer, which helps the food stay cold longer. So if your freezer is not very full, put all of the food sort of compacted together to help it stay cold longer. And then you have those extra bags of homemade ice that you've made, big ice blocks that really do help to keep the temperature down. Um, the other thing you want to do for preparedness purposes is obviously fill your tanks. And by this I mean water. <laughs> if you live with well water or if you're in a flood um, prone area where you might not be able to drink the, the drinking water from the tap, you want to make sure you have um, some bottled water on hand. And you want to make sure, as I mentioned earlier, that you have your propane gas and um, you know those tanks full or have a spare. And if you have charcoal grill, buy extra charcoal. Make sure you have plenty of matches and, um, you know, don't ever grill inside, even if you have a tabletop grill. There was, um, you know, people have had their generators on around here and people have had problems with the carbon monoxide from the generators getting into the house. You just have to be super careful about that and make sure they're far enough away from the house. And, you know, and this is another kind of thing that might be more specifically relevant to those of us with celiac disease and who are living gluten-free for medical reasons, we may have other issues as well that require prescriptions. And you want to make sure if you see something coming where you might not be able to get out of your house for a few days, double-check that you have those prescriptions um, filled and that you have um, access to the pharmacy to get them refilled prior to being you know, potentially holed up in your house for a few days. That's something that's really important. You don't want to have um, anything you know, get in the way of you continuing any of those prescriptions or even your vitamins. And I mentioned earlier about, you know, preparing for shelter. If you do find that you need to go to a shelter, one of the very best things that I think you could always have in in your in-case-of-emergency bag is, you know, your favorite gluten-free protein bars. Because if necessary, 
you could literally live off of those for days and eat nothing but those bars. Of course, it's nice to have a little bit of a variety, but I have several reviews on my blog of some of my favorite um, of those gluten-free protein bars. But there are tons of different kinds of bars now, and those are all individually sealed. They come in all different flavors and sizes, and a lot of them are quite healthy and nutritious. So having a big bag of those, even when you know, you're just traveling, like when I traveled overseas, I took a ton of those bars with me. And anytime I travel, certainly domestically, I do as well. But having those on hand, you know, in your car, in your pocketbook for times when you, you know, are really getting hungry and you don't want to cheat and you don't want to um, jeopardize your health just because you're so hungry, it's good to have those on hand. But if you find that you have to go to a shelter or if, you know, there's foul weather or you lose your power, at least you always know that you have some something to eat and you have those bars, which do tend to last for quite a while. Another thing to keep on hand, I think, which is really, you know, in our house, we eat these things all the time. So for me, it's a no-brainer, but I think people forget sometimes um, in this land of processed food that we live in. Fruits and vegetables are wonderful in and of themselves. You can just eat them plain. But what we do all the time is eat pears and apples with peanut butter. So if you can do peanut butter or almond butter or soy nut butter or sesame nut butter, whatever you that you like, it's a wonderful source of protein. And you just eat that with an apple or with a pear or something like that, even with peanut butter, with a with a banana. They're they're so wonderful together, and they're filling, healthy, easy. You don't need electricity for it, and the peanut butter obviously won't go bad outside of the refrigerator. So you're, it's a wonderful thing to make sure you have on hand. And another thing that we always have here that I think is really helpful for these types of times is you know just a can of black beans, a jar of salsa, and your favorite gluten-free tortilla chips. You know, mixing those up together, it's a pretty healthy little snack. And with the black beans, you get a lot of wonderful protein from that. So if you have water and you can rinse the black beans, mix it up with some salsa to add some extra protein. And you've got chips and salsa, which is a pretty satisfying snack and at least keeps my kids happy for a little while um, in addition to supplementing with some of these other things. So hopefully those um, ideas will get you thinking about, you know, the next time that there might be an emergency near you. We are, as I said, coming up on snow season, and we're not out of um, hurricane season yet, unfortunately. And for those of you who are still without power and are looking for foods that you could eat um, and things that you could be doing right now, hopefully some of those ideas or things will be helpful for you as well. And our thoughts and prayers are with you all, and hopefully we will all be back um, you know, on, on level ground, so to speak, after Hurricane Sandy very, very quickly. Um, as far as... You know, with a show that I was going to be doing today, and of course Hurricane Sandy came in, and I feel like this really was an important opportunity to address some of these, you know, preparation concerns that people were having. The show that I was going to be doing today, and we'll talk more about this next week on the Gluten-Free Voice, but, you know, we are now all of a sudden in November. And for those of you who have not yet prepared, again, the theme for the day, for the big um, Thanksgiving feast that is the end of this month, creeping up on us. It's actually early this year. And, you know, you need to sort of get your mind, wrap your mind around the fact that you're going to be either a guest or preparing and hosting um, Thanksgiving more than likely in a few weeks. So how are you going to do that, living gluten-free? And you need to really, you know, get prepared and, and mentally, you know, accept the fact that you are probably going to be sharing a gluten-free um, meal with other people who are not gluten-free. And so how do you incorporate that in there? What feels good to you? What do you feel comfortable with um, in terms of bringing to the table or in terms of 
you know, being being a host. And one of the best ways, I think, to get prepared is to try recipes in advance so that you're totally confident before the big day about, you know, oh, I, I know that they're going to love my stuffing because I've now made it three times and I'm confident that I know how to do it. I've tasted, tested it with my neighbors and everybody approved. So, you know, you feel much more confident about the big day because Thanksgiving is not about stress. I know it, it tends to be stressful for a lot of us, but the more preparation you can do, the more you can focus on the part about just being thankful, which we all do have so much to be thankful for. And, um, you know, you just want to be able to focus on being with your friends and, and family and loved ones. So prepare by practicing. And if you haven't yet gotten a copy of my Thanksgiving ebook, it is a wonderful resource for that because it's not only full of tons of recipes, but it also has your checklist of what to do and when to do it and how far in advance you need to do these things, what ingredients you need to have. If you need to have dairy-free ingredients, here are some good um, brand choices for those. And it really just sort of walks you through how to handle Thanksgiving if you are the host or if you're the guest, either one. And, you know, how to have a conversation with people about cross-contamination because just because, you know, they bring something that is supposedly gluten-free doesn't mean that you feel comfortable eating it if you're not certain that they have, you know, understood all of the intricacies of cross-contamination or how do you deal with you know, all of the different eating utensils that are going to be at the table and keeping them from going from one bowl to the other bowl. So there's lots of different things like that you need to consider because you certainly don't want to get sick on Thanksgiving. And so how do you do that and how do you still have a wonderful meal where you're not sitting there with an empty plate while everyone else is eating other foods? How do you explain to the host that you can't have the turkey if it's high-gluten-containing stuffing inside the turkey? So how do you explain that to the host? How do you have an alternative? What can you do so that you and others who are living gluten-free who may be sharing your table can have a really wonderful and satisfying meal? This week's recipe of the week that I'll be um, publishing in my free weekly newsletter tomorrow is going to be for gluten-free onion rings because I think you know sometimes those side dishes are overlooked because we're all so focused on the turkey and the pumpkin pie, which are really wonderful and um, obviously deserve a lot of attention. But the side dishes are so great too. And a lot of those side dishes, those souffles, the soups, the um the breads the um you know the green bean casserole with onion rings all of those things can easily be made with gluten free flour and be wonderful and everybody can eat them and they don't even have to know so don't ever look those things and don't think that you can't do them anymore or can't have them anymore just because you're living gluten free so look for that recipe in your inbox and if you have not yet signed up for my gluten free um recipe of the week it's super easy to do you can sign up at julesglutenfree.com or at blog.julesglutenfree.com and look for my free recipe of the week email and plug in your email address and you will start getting some really fun gluten-free recipes from me every single week. So I look forward to our conversation next week. If you want to reach out, if you have questions, if you um, have concerns, if you're nervous about how to handle Thanksgiving, anything like that, all you have to do is just um, post it on Facebook at Jules Gluten Free Flour. You can also reach me on Twitter at Jules Gluten Free. And you can also leave questions here at Blog Talk Radio, or you can email us at support at julesglutenfree.com. So I look forward to chatting with you next week, and good luck to all of you who are still recovering from Hurricane Sandy. We will be thinking of you and wish you all of the best. Thanks. <laughs>